Leading a school district is a unique responsibility, and it's clearly not getting any easier. People rely on you for answers to complicated problems, which feels isolating and sometimes unrealistic. Conferences or webinars, even good ones, don't solve problems when you need it. And sitting and staring at slides with someone talking at you doesn't help either. What if there was a better way? What if you belonged to a national, hand-picked community of Java-alike school leaders who could circle up to strategize and solve your most challenging problems when you need it? What if you had access to ongoing content that helped you solve problems and lead every day? There is a better way. When you join Leading Ed Solutions, you'll join a carefully selected, highly committed group of Java-like peers from across the country, a support system beyond your backyard, school leaders helping other school leaders, real people tracking real issues in real time. Simply submit your challenge. We'll circle you up with your peers to provide solutions. Our content works because it's accessible, practical, and created by proven leaders just like you. You don't have to lead alone. Apply to Leading Ed today and discover why circles are better than rows. Leaders, how are you? Jeff Rose, founder of Leading Ed, and I bring to you today a very, very special leader chat. They're all special and they're all very unique, but the concepts, as we know, our members are aware, we believe that collaborative discourse, leaders helping leaders is, is, um, is truly our model. And we also provide content based upon relevant topics. When we notice that there are particular challenges with our leaders uh, throughout the country, then we go find um, content, leader to leader content. And in the meantime, we um, are in Black History Month. And we are this prime opportunity in our nation's uh, history to be able to have discourse relative to issues of race and equity and so forth. So my job is to find leaders that can provide valuable content. Now, today is special. Um, we do not have a member with us. This is not necessarily um, somebody who um, is a superintendent or on the uh, academic or operational side of the house. Today, I am interviewing a school board member with an amazing story um, and a narrative that I know that we're going to learn from. So in a moment, I am going to be um, introducing you to uh, Dr. Therese Johnson. Now, she goes by Dr. Therese, so I will do my best to make sure I don't call her Dr. Johnson or even Therese, which sometimes I will accidentally do. Uh, Dr. Therese, now she earned a BA from La Universidad del Sagrado Corazón. Mi español es más o menos, but my accent is awful. Um, an MPA from Columbia University, an MBA from Emory University, and a doctorate in education. She's an educational leader, entrepreneur, and teacher. She's a diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice professional. Dr. Therese is an advocate, an activist, an author, and an artist. Dr. Therese is the second ever African-American member of the school board in Gwinnett and the first ever African-American woman um, for the school board. And she has been, um, in fact, in 2018 in Gwinnett was the first ever African-American school board member. Um, Everton Blair was the first. So a very recent history 
in terms of a change at the board level specific to aligning to the demographic of the school district. Now keep this in mind. Um, Dr. Therese Johnson beat Gwinnett's longest serving board member um, and she was a board member since 1972 prior to last year. Um, actually 67% I read which is kind of a landslide so I, sh I think I'll ask her about that. But back in 1972, keep this in mind, Gwinnett County had 17,000 students, so 17, predominantly white. Gwinnett now serves more than 178,000 students. Now 32% are African American, another 31% are Latino, so just 22% are white. So it's considered actually the most diverse school district in Georgia, and it's a very large school district. Now, you will see Dr. Therese is passionate about ethnic and global education and dedicated to multicultural learning. Now, let me give, be more specific as to why Dr. Therese for this. Um, it's Black History Month, and we know that. We know that people of color are underrepresented in top school district leadership roles as well as governance positions. And in this case, Gwinnett seems to be changing that. And so, as a black woman leader, it's going to be helpful for us to learn from her perspective, honor her accomplishments, and do what I believe is creating hope for the future. So without further ado, I will, um, I'm going to unmute and bring in Dr. Therese. Dr. Therese, how are you? Thanks so much for being with us today. Start again, my fault. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you. Yeah, by all means. So I read your, you know, your bio, so to speak, um, but there's nuance I missed, you know, in your bio. And by the way, you are not your, you know, accomplishments in education, right? That is part of you. But what did I miss? Tell us about yourself and what do you think would be important for listeners to hear about you um, beyond what I mentioned? Well, I'm originally from Houston, Texas. Um, I have a very uh, multicultural uh, family. I have family uh, from Veracruz, Mexico. I have, you know, a lot of influence growing up in Texas, um, influence of Mexican culture, um, you know, growing up with, you know, best friends from Dominican Republic and and uh, and, and Puerto Rico. And so um, I really had a rich upbringing of various cultures. Um, my grandmother is from Louisiana, and so she's a Creole, and it's it's really amazing to just, you know, growing up in Texas to experience all of the rich culture and diversity of the people in that community. It shaped who I am today, and my love for for multicultural education, and and uh, and I ended up going to college in Puerto Rico, and I knew a little bit of Spanish before. But I always say I grew up in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico provided me an opportunity to really learn the language, to read it, to learn how to write and to speak. Um, and it also provided me an opportunity to just grow up as a as an, a, a young adult and just you know learn how to you know be a mature, responsible uh, leader. So um, that's the small nuance there around you know my background. I'm also a mother, and I. I'm a single mom. I am an artist and my passion and my heart is art. 
and ed education, of course, but I love to paint. I love to um, act. I love to write. I've written several, I've written and published several books of poetry. So I love uh, going to different places and sharing my art. And so that's sort of, that's it. That's the nuance of who I am. Now you are a, a, a new board member and what a year to be a, a new board member, right? Because um, like I've shared with you when we were talking earlier, as a past educator and superintendent of a few different districts, I've led through some tough stuff, but nothing like this. Um, so maybe as a new board member, what has your life been like and, and how are you doing? Wow. We are definitely in unprecedented times, right? We're COVID-19. Um, I've been kind of stuck in the house a lot. <laughs> so um, I've been, you know, even I've explored more of my art during this time. And, and it's sort of, for me, a way to uh, escape and, and even my own social emotional health around just, you know, painting and acting and, you know, listening to music and things that just kind of keep me, um, you know, balanced. And my children also were stuck together in the house. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, it's frustrating for them because, of course, you know, they want to be in school. And uh, we are in a space now where we are so committed to just making sure that everyone is safe. And, and so, you know, we're home, but it's, it's, it's challenging. It's, it's, uh, and for many people, and we know uh, we have family members and friends who, who have died uh, because of COVID. We have um, people in our community who have been impacted financially, um, people who have been impacted emotionally. And, and it is, you know, really, unfortunate time. I'm from Houston and we recently, you know, had a winter storm and, you know, my family, they were impacted greatly and, uh, and, and just trying to be there for everyone and to, you know, share with them some sense of hope and, and, and just know that I'm there for them, anything they need. And so, you know, that's, it's, it's, you know, the, the times are hard, but if we all just work together as a community, our family and friends unite, and we see that now um, with the recovery efforts, um, we see that we can really build a strong, united community if we work together. You know, I, I, I knew that you were from Texas. Um, I guess I didn't put together that you have relatives in Texas, so... I'm, I'm hoping they're doing okay. Are they okay? They are. They are. Thank you. Sure. Um, so, you know, one could read about the shift in, in the board in Gwinnett, but, but perhaps you give us some details around the narrative specific to kind of the changes that you and, and your colleagues are navigating um, and leading. Right. Wow. Um, you know, that we are in uncharted like territory, right? We are like, you know, on this boat and, we're driving this boat <laughs> and uh, and in the waves are rough, but we're just doing the best we can. We don't have a map to really guide us because we've never been in this position before. Um, so this pandemic really is an opportunity for us to, you know, face the challenges that's before us 
And it's also forced us to consider new ways to manage an academic achievement. It's you know provided us an opportunity to look at the social and emotional learning. Um, and, and our board now is representative of the great rich diversity of Gwinnett County. And, you know, from the different, you know, races, religions, linguistic abilities, you know, we have a, a dynamic board that is now working together to figure out ways on how we can meet the needs of all of our students. And, you know, from academic recovery issues that's coming up, we have our students have choice. So they are either face-to-face -face learners or digital learners. And there are nuances around managing how teachers are experiencing the concurrent teaching and uh, the, uh, the issues around the teachers wanting to feel safe and valued and protected and our students getting their needs met, making sure that we're addressing the needs of our uh, disabled population, um, that our English language learners are getting what they need um, digitally as well as in person and, um, and that we're staffing our schools. We have, you know, teachers sometimes if there's an outbreak we have a teacher shortage and then the opportunity is continuously looking for substitutes to ensure that our children are supervised and safe. So there are, there are so many different challenges and we're just really, you know, trying to work together with the community and engage the voices of the community to, you know, meet these academic and social emotional needs of our students. So, you know, I, I mentioned in, in your bio that, um, you know, not only are you a new school board member, but, you know, you, you won the seat fairly handily. Um, so, you know, you can mention that, but I guess my question is really what motivated you to become a school board member um, in the first place? Uh, I was motivated to run for school board because I wanted to make a difference. And I always understand that, you know, the way to make a difference is really through policy and you know advocating for policies to ensure that all of our students can achieve academic uh, success. Um, I am a fighter for equity and I believe that we all, all of our students should get what they need. And you know, it's not the same as as you know, equality where everyone gets the same thing, but equity is really looking at the nuances of the different uh, needs. For example, our ESOL students may need something very different than our students who maybe have uh, a, a learning disability. And so it's, it's like, how do we figure out programming and how do we invest um, our resources in a way to meet their needs? We also know, um, you know, with, with, with COVID, with this social emotional gap, um, you know, we have an opportunity to, to create a better future by meeting the needs of our students. And I wanted to be a part of, of reimagining education, reimagining how we can create a better future where we create uh, global citizens, where we can be competitive with private schools with the the innovations they may have but really create our own innovations to 
um, in, inspire people to want to send their children to public schools because indeed our public school systems, it's, it's the best. We are offering what our students need. We are nimble in a way to address the different needs and the changing of times. And, and I just wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be a part of the team to edify our community, um, to invest in our children, and just to make our national and global society better for everyone. You know, the um, every time I've transitioned into a new role, whether, I mean, my, my first role as a fourth and fifth grade teacher, I know that I had made assumptions prior to becoming the teacher about what it would be like. And then, you know, as soon as I became the teacher, my learning curve was incredibly steep. And then my next role, whatever that was, being a, a principal, um, really curve, you know, steep learning curve as you, as you get into the job and then you realize, oh, this is what it is and this is what it's not. But sometimes it takes actually, you know, putting the shoes on and walking um, the role, so to speak. So I'm curious. Oh, and by the way, supporting board members. I've had many board members as superintendent where they had certain assumptions and then their learning was, oh, these are the things I was unaware of, you know, prior to. Sometimes you just have to do it in order to learn. So, you know, after a short time in the role, you've probably been able to look a little bit under the hood, right, in terms of the systems and the culture that's not always visible from the outside. So now that you become a board member, even during these unprecedented times like you described, what are your hopes and dreams specifically for Gwinnett? And I know it's a bit redundant. You mentioned some of those, but, you know, now that you've been able to see, how would you kind of almost dream specifically for Gwinnett even amidst this COVID chaos? Right. Um, that's a great question. Um, one thing I must recognize is I knew even before, um, you know, joining this board that GCPS was one of the greatest school systems in our nation. And it took a lot of work from a lot of different people to get to where we are. But I also recognize, and it's important for us all to recognize that no system is perfect. No person is perfect. That there's always opportunities for us to improve. And um, we have opportunities to improve around uh, disparate treatment um, related to discipline in our school systems. Um, we have opportunities to um, innovatively meet the needs of all of our students. And in particular, you know, around representation, around uh, curriculum, around um, just ESOL. And so, you know, I, I hope that our system can continue to be as great as it is, but but be greater, be greater where like every single person, you know, not just one particular group, but all of the groups feel like they are seen, valued, heard, respected, honored, and celebrated. And 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 right now the reality is is we have, you know, some people um that you know may need some things differently. We have a disabled population that we need to look at different you know reading science programs or look at different things on how we we can address their needs. 
But from a policy perspective, as a board member, I just want to, you know, make sure that we are creating and supporting the best policies to ensure that every single group, regardless of race, religion, background, disabilities, zip codes, social economic status, that all of them can have their needs met. So, you know, that's my dream is every child to, to feel feel like they matter and they're and feel like when they're opening up a book that they can see themselves and not in a way that's, you know, a, a story that is downtrodden, right? We want to celebrate the glory and the beauty and the joy of being Latinx, of being Black, of being Native American, of being white, of being whoever we are. I'm a Jewish person. I'm Black and I'm Jewish. And even my identity is very unique to me. And 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 I, I just I would love for our children just to have a sense of joy because we know that when our children uh, have their social emotional needs met, and some of that can also include feeling seen and heard and reflected in the curriculum and in their teachers, that they will achieve academic success and they will be great leaders. And so my dream is for children to feel proud of who they are and to love themselves and to see themselves. You know, Dr. Therese, it's really well said. I just, it's just a little uh, commentary. I, as a young driven superintendent years ago, um, I'm no longer that. Um, I remember having a, we were working on a strategic plan and I had a board member who really, it was important to, to her that we um, kind of codify the word joy mm -hmm. um, in the strategic plan. And um, I just want to be really honest. Uh, at the time, I thought that was a bad idea. I really did. I, um, like I said, I, it was my job to really take care of what I thought were some other needs that prioritize really around the academic proficiency of students and the, some of the achievement gaps and you know, I was hyper-focused and, um, and I remember having this conversation with her, you know, saying, I just, I don't know if that's the right word. And, uh, in hindsight, um, and you reminded me of it, um, I, I would, I would act differently now <laughs> being that I've seen everything that's happened in education from even from a leadership perspective, as especially right now. If I could, you know, rewind and go back to that conversation, I would have embraced the word joy in that plan. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. We learn as we move on. But I appreciate you bringing that up and almost reminding me of my mistake. <laughs> um, and that was a mistake on, on my part. Now, you know, as we acknowledge Black History Month right now, um, we know that there's huge underrepresentation of African Americans, men and women, especially in leadership roles um, throughout the country in a variety of sectors, but in education too, which I think is actually kind of wild. I think if anything, you would assume that education would lead the way in terms of representation, but that's actually not the case. So. Maybe can you talk to us about your thoughts regarding that underrepresentation that we see um, in, in education from leadership roles? Sure. Um, first, I want to recognize how um, elated I am to see the changes in our federal government, our local governments, 
you know, from our VP uh, Kamala Harris to the, you know, commissioner, the chair of our uh, Gwinnett County uh, Commission, uh, Nicole Love Hendrickson, just to see all of these, you know, powerful, you know, black and brown people and and women in leadership roles is, is so very inspiring to me. And now as a school board member, I um, also know that my daughter is looking up to me, my son is, and so many other children are seeing themselves in leaders. They're seeing themselves for the first time as a, as a black woman sitting on the board in, um, they 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 see me and 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 they may say you know I want to you know make a difference and I want to be in that role and so having the representation is so important having representation in our uh, school system from the school board to our teachers um, to our principals and superintendents it's all very important and I don't think we should take for granted the power of our children when they see themselves in a principal versus always seeing the black and brown people sweeping the floors or serving the food or um, you know at the administration desk. Nothing is wrong with that. That's totally fine because we need people in those roles. But when we always see black and brown people in those particular roles and they're not in leadership roles, we have a problem and we, we must address it as leaders. And, and, and so, you know, representation uh, with, you know, black and brown people really, um, it, it really matters and, and it inspires people. And so I want to continue to reflect the beauty and the power of who we are. And again, as I said, as a, as a, as a black and a Jewish woman, I live my Jewish values. So everything that I do is, is, is um, even in my own imperfections, it's finding out ways on how to best pursue equity, justice, liberation, and how do we heal the world? Uh, over the past year, um, and I, I've asked all of the, you know, the, the black leaders that I have been engaging this month, right, in honor of Black History Month, um, but even before that, I, I've been asking this question um, because I, I think that we have right now, we've had this significant awakening in this country relative to issues of inequity and injustice, right? And I think tragedy can birth, you know, opportunity. And so what are, what are your hopes for the future as it relates to, you know, almost embracing this tragedy that we've seen and felt and moving it into an opportunity, which in my, in my view is a leader's job. All right, I agree with you. Um, you know, my hope is for people to face the difficult realities of where we are. What happened at the Capitol was tragic and it showed us America. It showed us a part of America. And we should take that as an opportunity for us to not ignore it, but actually let's have the conversations with our students and let's talk to them about what 
led up to that? And how can we not repeat that? How can we teach our students as budding leaders to ensure that um, they can help us create a better future? So, you know, we should always focus on, you know, pursuing, you know, righteousness and justice and not ridiculing and condemning and spreading propaganda. Um, we have to encourage our students to be critical thinkers and not allow them to let uh, uh, have uh, be so influenced by disinformation. We always have to focus on seeking the facts and speaking with people and hearing their own stories from their own voices and engaging with them in a way so that they can really truly understand. And when we work on creating, you know, spaces, safe spaces for people to have the conversations and even for us as leaders to bring up those conversations and to say, look, here's the reality. We have this data that shows we have not met the needs of a particular group of people for whatever reason. What can we do to address those needs? So we first must recognize, recognize where we have failed. And then we must, uh, you know, look at that. Uh, I always like this, this quote by Martin Luther King when he talks about the boil, you know, when you have, you know, you have to, you know, expose it. And in order to expose it, it allows it to heal, right? The sun, and there's work that has to be done in order for it to heal. So what we must do is we must expose it with courage. We must expose it with, with this uh, you know, boldness in, in, in listening to other people who are different from us in engaging with people who we probably said, well, you know, I don't really you know, agree with your values, but I want to learn from you. I want to learn why you think a certain way. And maybe we can both grow together and figure out a mutually beneficial solution. And, and so I, our goal as leaders and my goal as a leader is to not shy away from the conversations, not shy away from the topics, but to uncover it and to say, Whoop, this is what it is. Let's, we have to work on it now. And, and let's all together with, with, with respect for one another, because we may have the anger and we may have some, you know, um, you know, challenging moments where it can get really uncomfortable, but that's okay. We have, we grow in the discomfort and, and when we can together, you know, learn and be empathetic and, and figure out ways and how we can do better and be better. I, I truly believe that, um, you know, our community will be better and America could be great for everyone. So as a leader, I plan to do that. I plan to continue to um, have the courageous conversations and uh, bring up the, the topics that may be difficult, um, even, even at my own personal uh, demise. I, I think, you know, sometimes people I have experienced your personal attacks and uh, you know some challenging situations and threats and harassment um, from people who uh, don't like that I uncover this you know that I speak the truth and I speak my truth and I share you know data and I share information and I I try my best to provide various perspectives 
And, um, and, and sometimes even, even with doing that, even with being that courageous leader, like Martin Luther King, um, I follow him a lot and uh, in, in his story. And, and one thing that I recognize is at the time that he was assassinated, people did not like him. They hated him. He was like one of the most hated people in America. Yeah. He was because he spoke his truth. He, he talked about racism, police brutality, economic injustice, oppression, war. He talked about all of these things. His black people hated him. White people hated him. Yeah. And I think, in fact, the first assassination attempt was by a black woman. So, so people often say, oh, well, you need to be more like Martin Luther King. You need to peace and love and, you know, but we have to understand we whitewashed our history so much and we romanticized uh, the history. But the truth of the matter is Martin Luther King was radical. Martin Luther King was a revolutionary looking for an opportunity to unite our country, not to just be great for black people, but to be great for all people. And that's what Martin Luther King stand for. And that's that's how I see myself. I'm outspoken about this because the conversation has not been had in in this way in Gwinnett County. And, and you know, and, and it's difficult, but I will continue. I will continue to um, do the work because at the end of the day, this work is not about me. It's about our children. And the conversation has to be had. It is high time that we work and we push through so that our community can evolve. I wish um, you had a, a microphone, you could drop it, which would be perfect timing. Um, but I, I'll, say, I'll say this, um, one thing you, you just uh, uncovered, which if we, if we unpack learning theory, even if we look at a lot of research and what it takes for adults and kids to learn, um, we know for a fact for them to uh, learn at their fullest potential, they have to be uncomfortable. I mean, you have described for us to actually learn and grow as it relates to this critical conversation on, on equity and issues of race, we have to be uncomfortable. We also have to be safe, right? So what that promises us, if we are safe, it allows people to stick in the discomfort and move beyond the hard because it's hard, right? It's, it hurts. Um, and that is actually okay um, as long as people feel safe. So finding that balance, that space for adults and for kids in a school district um, is an incredible goal because so much growth can come out of that. It just needs to be aware that it's not going to always feel good. It can feel uncomfortable, but that's not bad. In fact, that can be a beautiful thing because the things that come from that discomfort and that level of dedication to being uncomfortable for your own learning and the learning of others is, you know, it's, it's actually the, 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 the work of an educator in many ways. And so um, I'm thankful to hear you say that. Now, as, as, as a black woman and leader, so based upon your journey, one thing we say, Dr. Therese, to our members is we, was, we just want to kind of um, give it to them straight. Like leader to leader, we want very pragmatic, digestible um, kind of content and perspective. So 
what would you like to communicate to others? You know, our members, but even beyond that, because we expose this in a podcast version and a website. So, you know, as you know, from someone in your seat, what would be the, like your final comments um, to other leaders in this country at this point in time? Okay. Um, first, I would like to say that, you know, we are in these uncharted territory uh, with COVID, with um, so many things that's happening in our world um, from in the insurrection to trying to figure out how do we recover uh, and how do we meet the needs of our families? How do we work together as a community? I want us to know that this is an opportunity for us not to kind of go back to what was normal, but to think about how we can reimagine this new future and this new present around, um, you know, just meeting the needs, the, the technology, and, and how can we use technology in a way that, that can advance our learning and, and that can prepare our students and our school systems um, to be stronger, to be better, to be more flexible in case something like this happens again or when something like this happens again. Um, but, but to really see these times as an opportunity to, to just reimagine equity and reimagine uh, meeting the, the academic goals. Because we know all of our school systems, our ultimate reason for being here is to ensure that our students achieve academic success. And when we look at all of the ways we can do that, we must be innovative. We must reimagine, um, you know, meeting the needs. We must, you know, think about the social and emotional uh, learning and really invest in that. Because when we can reach the child, and and then when they feel like they are seen, heard, and valued, when they know that they are loved, they will learn the discipline issues we may have. When we can really effectively address social emotional issues then even discipline rates will decrease. Our students will, will, will be exceptional leaders. So I, I, I hope that, you know, as leaders, we, we all just, you know, think out of the box and something that may seem, you know, off the wall, it may not be. Explore it, explore engaging with the students explore outside classrooms, look at just different ways to, to, uh, to, to meet the needs of our students. But finally, I wanna say to, to the community and to the little black girls and Jewish girls, um, I want them to know that even though uh, the, the road you travel may be different, and even though you may have difficult times in your life, just know that when you believe in yourself and you hold to your own truth, that you can achieve anything. And no matter what storms blow and how people try to disparage and denigrate and try to destroy you, just know that you come from a strong, powerful ancestry of people who fought and who persevered and who achieved great success. So I celebrate you to the students who may be listening. Uh, I celebrate you because you are joy, you are our future. And, and, and to our teachers 
continue to just show the beauty of all of our children and how great they are and, 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 and experience uh, the joy with them and celebrate with them. So thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Dr. Therese, let me say, um, I, I learn, this is, um, I, I always learn by in, engaging others and especially from the leadership perspective, I believe in leader to leader. And um, I know that you today have contributed to shaping my perspective and most importantly, because it is my job to help other leaders, um, I know that you will impact them as well. And I also know you're very, very busy. So the fact that um, uh, you've been willing to kind of carve this time out for us um, is very generous of you. And I want to uh, applaud you in your noble efforts and in your noble work. Um, and it is that, right? Engaging in education at whatever level that may be, I believe is, is noble, intrinsically valuable work. And so I thank you so much. Um, it's been a pleasure to get to know you. Um, and once again, um, I know that I will not be the only one thanking you. So much, much appreciated. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. By all means. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, like I just said, I know that you have learned by listening to this, whether this be on our Leader Chat video series whether it be in the podcast we'll produce later. Um, very, very thankful for Dr. Therese. And um, I think that you will find her, her narrative and what's happening in Gwinnett County just fascinating. Ladies and gentlemen, I know your work is really, really hard, um, especially in this day and age. So therefore, know that um, we are behind you. We support you. Everyone, be well. <laughs>